Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Archived for you, 
and so much more. So uh, be sure to visit the website, uh, click on the RSS feed button on the welcome page, and you'll always be updated to changes. And again, you can subscribe to the podcast, which I hope you do. And also, when you're listening from Blog Talk, follow us, friend us, uh, make us a favorite, and do, please do, leave comments. We also appreciate it. Uh, all these great people who uh, Twitter live. Chase Wright is in the in the chat room. Movie Angels there. There's other people who show up and they come in as guests. They don't. Uh, if I guess if they're not registered, we don't get a name. And so I don't know who they are. But I want to welcome everybody in the chat room today. And now I'm going to be uh, without any further ado. I want to bring Carlo on. Carlo, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Rex. How are you? Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. T- I'm doing good too. And I appreciate you. T- I'm, I'm stammering around here. I mean, it's, it's one of those kind of strange energy days for me, but uh, uh, but I'm doing well. And uh, and it's a busy day for you, so I really appreciate you taking your time and, and being here today. Well, I'm very happy to be here and uh, share what uh, information I can with you and your guests. Well, thank you. Well, let me just start right off. Let's, let's talk about the state of the exhibition industry today. Um, there is, uh, you know, obviously there's studio films, and I know you work with the studios, but there's also, you know, lots of independent films and people trying to, and then there's uh, everything from, you know, massive budgets to pretty much no budgets. Um, so what's going on in the exhibition industry? Wow, that's a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just the man to tackle it, so that's why. You know, uh, there, there's a lot going on in the digital or in the uh, in the exhibition industry. Uh, digital cinema is one of the big things. Our company just announced yesterday that it is going to do a large scale rollout of digital cinema at uh, over 600 screens uh, of the nearly 700 that we operate. So that's a huge, huge deal, yeah. and, and we can talk a lot about that if you'd like. Uh, but you know, it's it's been a, a strange ride the last few years in the exhibition industry. As uh, a couple of years ago, we had a, a record year with uh, Avatar, and then the next year was uh, basically flat, and this year is up a little bit. So um, we, we seem to have gotten to the point where uh, a lot of people are coming to the movies yet, but there's a lot of other competition out there that uh, is new to us, uh, things like Netflix and, uh, you know, Redbox and uh, uh, all the ways that people can now download and, and watch entertainment on demand. So that's uh, some of the things that we're, uh, we're working on right now. You know, personally, there was a period of time when I hardly went to movies at all. You know, God forbid, I saw most everything on DVD <laughs> or on cable or something like that. And, of course, having children has had brought me back to going to movies. Well, I mean, I would see movies, but they would always be, you know, Disney movies. There would be children's movies, right. Pixar movies, whatever. Um, and I, I saw very few adult-oriented films or, or films appropriate for my age group. Um, but... Recently, you know, as my my children have gotten older, we've seen more movies together that are, uh, you know, age appropriate for them and for and, and and for me. Anyway, the bottom line is, I've gone to the movies more, and I love it again. You know, I sat in the theater just the other day on on uh, I think it was Saturday, and uh, I was like, guy, you know, this is so cool, <laughs> just <laughs> being in a theater again and and having that experience of of you know. And it, it's not that foreign for me now, but I mean, I just I just want to say that, that to be in the theater was was 
I just I just make note of how much I enjoyed it on Saturday being in the theater. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, comment because that's the way I feel. That's the way a lot of people feel. But I've I've been looking at some blogs and posts from people who uh, have exactly the opposite opinion that they feel sure. that uh, you know theaters are are not the preferred place for them to see a movie anymore. That the social experience is not something they want to have, and I, I think that's kind of indicative of changing trends in our society as, as people depend more and more on PDAs and smartphones and, and carry their movies and other entertainment with them. And uh, some people don't think that seeing a movie on a big screen is, you know, the best experience to see a movie. Now, I totally disagree with that. I think the only way to experience a movie is on the big screen in a social setting, but uh, there are people who don't want to be bothered by other people next to them or to, to hear somebody eating their popcorn or doing things like that. So uh, we, we have to look at how we can engage people in the movie-going experience and, and continue to uh, offer something that people want to come out of their house for. So it's it's not just going to see a movie on a big screen anymore. That's the attraction. It's got to be the whole experience. Our company has been working very hard to improve that experience. Uh, we reinvest a lot into our theaters, uh, new seats, uh, remodel lobbies, uh, put in bigger screens, uh, add digital cinema, uh, digital sound, uh, create entertainment destinations with uh, lounges and in-theater dining, uh, doing lots of those kinds of things just to make the movie experience something that is bigger than life and continues to be something that people want to kind of come out of the house to experience. Do you think that the uh, drop in this, you know, you said it was it was uh, flat, it was a little bit up this year, it was flatter on uh, 2010, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, a, a record year in 2009. Um so you, you you think that that in the last three years the, the increase in these other avenues for seeing films is is you know I mean why why is it up a little bit this year I mean is it the blockbuster tentpole films that are bringing it up or or what I mean yes it is really all about what's on the screen it's what kind of films Hollywood is releasing and people have to want to see the movies in order to come to the movies. Um, so far this summer, we're seeing great attendance at, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, and a uh, big surprise with uh, Bridesmaids, and you know some some smaller surprises like Super 8, which opened huge. Uh, so it, it's been a good summer so far, and I anticipate it's going to continue to be a good summer with the new Harry Potter movie coming out, Captain America. Um, Cowboys and Aliens, some good titles out there that I think are going to attract people. Do you think that, uh, beyond that, I mean, what do you think it all comes down to? I mean, is it is it product, the films? What what do you... Well, I, th I think that's the major part of it. Uh, if there are good films, people come to the theater. Look at, look at Avatar. Uh, it was a phenomena around the world. People just loved the movie they had to see it you know the expectations 
prior to it opening weren't very big, but people discovered it. They understood the story. They loved the uh, the 3D. They loved the whole concept of it. So things that engage people will continue to bring them into the theaters. But some movies, you know, aren't as engaging. And you know, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Whether you see them on DVD, on a iPod, or uh, in a theater, it, it really doesn't make a great deal of difference because the experience doesn't need to be on the big screen to see some movies. Um, what about, let me ask you this, what about, I mean, we understand how the, the studios get their films on screen. Right, you know, and, and distribution, and it's not even easy for some of the you know larger film companies to get to get films up uh, and on screen. But what about the indie filmmaker, and specifically anyone under fifty million dollars? I mean, you know, <laughs> the five million dollar range, you know, down to the micro budgets um, and the no budgets. People are trying to get out, and it, and they still. It's funny. I mean, I talk to filmmakers every day, and they they would prefer. A theatrical run, but they resign themselves to, well, I guess you know it'll go straight to DVD or right. or now uh, video on demand, you know. But uh, they, I mean, they would prefer having their movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to filmmakers as well on a fairly regular basis who are looking for theatrical runs, um, and and when we can, we we accommodate them. Uh, First of all, the film has to be appropriate for a commercial theater. Uh, That's our primary business. Uh, We we don't show a lot of art and independent film. Uh, That's uh, more of a niche product that uh, does very well at Landmark and some other art uh, circuits and art theaters. Uh, So we we look for films that are going to attract a, a relatively mainstream or large audience. And see how we can uh, leverage the local connections. Um, For instance, and this is a bad example because it's a blockbuster, but uh, parts of uh, the most recent Transformers movie were filmed here in Milwaukee, uh, and uh, a bunch of local people were extras in the film, and they had the experience of working with Michael Bay and and Shia LaBeouf and the other folks in the film. And they all decided to uh, come see the movie at one of our theater locations last Friday, and we did a lot of PR and got some uh, good local media about the extras from Transformers seeing the movie in a local theater. Uh, so that's that's one way we try to, you know, to localize what we do with promotions and marketing. Uh, we've got another uh, filmmaker that uh, I'm working with who is doing a film called Water Walk. It's about uh, a father and son who follow the. Uh, uh, path of Pierre Marquette as the voyageurs paddled down the uh, the, the river from somewhere in, in northern Wisconsin down to St. Louis. A very uh, interesting film, very small budget, shot on location in Wisconsin. Uh, I've been working with them since prior to them beginning production. Uh, we, you know, gave them some information about why we thought it would be good to shoot in Wisconsin based on uh, our experience in the past and uh, the the people here being very, very helpful, very interested. And the production originally was slated to to do some shooting in 
Michigan, but uh, after talking to the producer, uh, he decided that it would be better to do it actually where the events occurred, uh, primarily in the in the Fox Valley area of Wisconsin, and uh, a lot of sh- uh, scenes were shot here in Milwaukee uh, in coordination with Marquette University. So they were very, very pleased with being able to come to Wisconsin, get the support of a local company, uh, no promises to exhibit their film, but you know we help them uh, with with our knowledge of the marketplace and you know, what we thought would be helpful for them to to get uh, people to help them in their production, things like that. So that's that's just one of the ways that uh, I've, I've been active with local filmmakers and uh, helping them to to do their productions. Well, that's very cool. I, I appreciate that. I'm going to throw something out there, I guess, in, in a roundabout way, ask a question. But uh, yeah, I took my son to a movie house that was a, a single theater, you know, one mm-hmm. screen, uh, recently. And uh, at the end, you know, when we went out, he said, you know, I, he said, this, this is cool. And I go, why? He goes, because you can only see one movie here. <laughs> and I said, well, that was kind of how it was in the olden days. You know, you could only see one you know, you would see a big theater, and then and then they got divided up. And he goes, "Yeah, but you know, I have all these choices if I go to another theater." And I'm, and I, it was interesting. I mean, I I was kind of surprised that that he had that experience of it. Um, I think now that theaters, you know, are you know multi-screen, that that something that that filmmakers may or may not appreciate is the fact that if you take a film off the screen or you don't book a a, a film in that theater. To put a local film in or uh, an independent film, you know that that well, you know you're going to give them a shot. That's money that may come out of the the you know the exhibitor's pocket. I mean, after all, this is a business, right? You know, and so you know everybody goes, well, you know they got 30 screens. Why can't you know they put my movie up? Well, <laughs> <laughs> why why don't you tell them why you can't? You know, and and or again, what they would need. What it would, you know, I mean, what you said about the art house and stuff, what they would need in order to to break into something like that, you know, what, what you know, and and it, you know, beyond the fact that some local filmmaker approaches the, you know, your corporation, you know, what kind of distribution they would would most want to seek after in order to get, you know, in the running. Or what kind of movie do they have to make? I mean, you know, and this follows with the question is, with it, which is, is, is the movies today better or worse than they were a little while ago or a long while ago? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're any worse than they were uh, a while ago or any any better than they were. Uh, there are a lot of different movies out there that people have the choice to see now, uh, probably more than they have had in the in the recent past, but uh, as as the economy downturned and uh, DVD sales fell, there's not a lot of money, or not as much money being generated uh, for production, so we, we've seen a little bit of uh, uh, downturn in production as well over the last year. But what what there there are, there are a couple of things here. There's the whole issue of distribution, and getting a film into a theater is not that difficult if you want to do it. But the the key is you have to be able to provide the uh, the marketing, the the PR, the publicity 
to create interest in that film. Otherwise, the theater isn't going to play it. Um, the big advantage that major distribution has is they can afford to spend millions and millions of dollars in TV advertising, um, some print advertising, and, and a lot of online advertising to create awareness about their title. Somebody who's producing a, you know, a two million dollar movie somewhere in the Midwest doesn't have that kind of resources, and they have to figure out, okay, if I want to get my movie into the theater and get people in the seats to see it, and that's why a theater will book a theater or book a movie. How am I going to do that? What can I do, considering I don't have that kind of budget? And one is to use the local angle. Uh, the, the producer of Waterwalk is is talking to a lot of local people, uh, trying to create excitement for the movie, interest in the topic, so that when it finally is distributed, people have actually heard of the movie and not wonder what what is this movie I see listed playing at my local theater. So they they have to come up with a way to to promote and market their films so that we can get the people in the seats who are going to buy the tickets and, and make it a success for both the filmmaker and the exhibitor. So if I can come to you and I can convince you or I can show you that I've got, you know, 50,000, 250,000, a million, you know, people who are fans of my mm-hmm. grassroots movie, I got a better shot at, at you know, saying, look, you know, I, I can guarantee X amount of seats or, or hope, you know, that kind of thing. Does that, does that make a difference then? I mean, oh, that would absolutely yeah. make a difference. Uh, we also look at, at films because of the level of local interest. If something is um, very, very strong local topic, there's, you know, a built-in audience for that. Uh, there was a documentary that came out uh, about two years ago called Being Bucky, about uh, the the mascot for the Wisconsin Badgers. And since the Badgers are very, very popular in Wisconsin and went to the Rose Bowl last year, you know, that that's kind of a no-brainer to, to try to see if there's audience interest in that film. Uh, the title sort of sells itself. Uh, another film that I'm working on with a uh, uh, director-producer right now is called Cheeseheads, the movie, and it's a documentary about people from Wisconsin uh, who are affectionately known as cheeseheads. And uh, he is originally from Wisconsin but moved to California a long time ago and decided to come back uh, to to talk to people about why they like living in Wisconsin and what's unique about living in Wisconsin and um, the attraction that people in Wisconsin have for the Green Bay Packers and the uh, Milwaukee Brewers and all of the the things that are so quintessentially Wisconsin, and we're talking about maybe doing some uh, preview screenings in the Milwaukee area and having a cheese and beer event, which is very appropriate for the culture of our state. Uh, you forgot cannibalism. I'm kidding. That I know. I know. That's my thing. That's what I always say. Cheese, beer, and cannibalism. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, no, that's very, that's really cool. That is very very cool. And and I know somebody else working uh, with the Cheesehead uh, movie guy. So that's that's awesome to hear about. Um, let let me ask you this. You know, this summer, for example, there are a lot of sequels. You know, and, right. and by some estimates, there's dozen or more. Um, would you say that the, that's one of the reasons why people are not going to the movies as much? 
I mean, well, I think sequels are kind of a double-edged sword. They have a large name recognition built in, and a lot of people want to continue to watch Jack Sparrow's adventures or, or see Harry Potter again. Um, but if the movie isn't good, it can kill the, uh, the, the series. Like Sex and the City 2 was not a great movie, and we probably won't see another Sex and the City movie because while it did okay, it just was not uh, a very good film, and it uh, grossed, you know, fairly well. But uh, I, I think kind of killed that series of movies prematurely. So it has to be a good movie, first of all. And people have to feel that they are getting what they expect from the sequel. So you can have a great sequel, like Transformers 2, followed by Transformers 3, which is doing very well, but not quite living up to what happened before. And that's fairly typical of sequels, that the first one is big, the second one drops off a little, third drops off even more. Uh, but then you have something like Fast Five, which is the the biggest grossing movie of, of all of the Fast and Furious films. So uh, sequels, uh, the story and characters are a known commodity, but they have to be good and they have to uh, continue the quality of the previous films in order for them to continue to be popular. Like Personally, I, I enjoyed Hangover 2, but didn't think it was nearly as clever and inventive and and engaging as the first one. When I, I mean, when I was a young man in Hollywood, the, the conventional wisdom seemed to be that you know a sequel would garner you a third of your audience back. Right. And, and there were far fewer sequels made, I think, in the anywhere between uh, then and now. You know, I mean, between the, the there were there were you know series of movies made like the Thin Man series or. Uh, Charlie Chan, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, where they made it made thirty or forty of this, of you know, of this character in a movie, you know, um, but now we see, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Pirates or Harry Potter or mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings or, uh, but I'm a firm believer that the, that the second one should be better than the first and the third better than the second. You should always be improving quality, not diminishing quality, right. and, and it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem that people put that into practice. Do you think that has to do more now with the fact that it's a franchise, that there's, you know, there's toys, there's items, there's everything other than the movie ticket itself that seems to be important? You know, and then also there at one time there were DVD sales, and, and so they could rely on, if they didn't make their money here, they could make it elsewhere, or the fact that, you know, they know that they can, you know, sell Jack Sparrow, you know, <laughs> flasks or something. <laughs> I, I think that has a great deal to do with it. Um, it's it's much easier for a studio to to green light a proven commodity than it is for a new idea. And you know, if if somebody comes up and says, "I'm going to make Hangover Three. Look at the last one made. You know, two hundred million, and the one before that, three hundred million. It, it's much easier for the guy who's laying out the money to say, yeah, I think that's probably a good idea, let's go, versus uh, somebody coming up and saying, I've got an idea about, uh, you know, three three guys who get drunk and can't remember what they did. So 
the, right. the proven track record really makes a big difference, as well as all of the ancillary revenue now that comes with a successful franchise, uh, like Transformers. Um, you know, there, there's a whole toy line that goes with the movies and uh, pirates. There's DVDs and you know theme park rides and and everything. It all just comes together and, and becomes a money-making machine for a lot of the uh, the people who get involved with these things. Well, do you think, I mean, on, on the other hand, do you think that as long as there's a theme park ride, there'll be, you know, movies being produced in order to keep that going and sell the toys, uh, you know, as long as they possibly can? <laughs> or, do you, or do you think at some point it, 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 you know, they just go, okay, we're done with the movies and, and these other things have their own life and... Yes, I'm, I'm sure that that happens. Uh, just because a movie is a successful generator of toys and things like that doesn't mean it's going to continue to be its own franchise if people don't continue to buy the DVDs, come to the movie theater to watch it. So um, we're, gonna, we're coming up on a break here, but let me ask you this. It It is... Uh, well, let me put it... Do you think it's uh, a lot of the reason why there are sequels or the fact that, that we're now uh, making TV shows into movies, or uh, it seems that there's no end in sight of the comic book hero movies or uh, superhero movies. Um, you th- and, and Transformers was a toy line before it became you know, a film. Do you think that it's a lack of, of original ideas that is... Uh, do you think that we have a lack of original ideas? I guess is is or or that there is a lack, or that or that it's because there's a lack of original ideas that we're seeing this drop in in attendance. That people are kind of going, I'm franchised out, I'm burned mm-hmm. out. You know, the hype is there, but the the substance is not. What? Well, I, I think that there are two parts to that question. One is I don't think that there are a lack of original ideas, but there probably is a lack of production of those original ideas because because like I said it's it's much easier to to make the dukes of hazard um because that's a title that people know already now you put it in the theater and maybe nobody wants to see it but at least you gave it a good shot rather than getting a script from somebody who has a, an original idea but I I have no clue what this movie will do if if we make it and release it. So it's it's much easier to greenlight, like I said, the titles that have a pre-sold audience. Uh, a TV show is a good example, but a lot of those fail. Look at McHale's Navy, look at Bewitched, beloved TV sitcoms that haven't translated into mm-hmm. big hit movies. But then you take something like Transformers, which was a toy, and then a cartoon show, and you reinvent it. You, you you look at what was there that was so fresh and original when it first came out and attracted people, and you reinvent it to connect with modern audiences. And Michael Bay creates you know, big, flashy special effects, lots of explosions, and surround sound, and action, and it becomes a movie event that appeals to those people who remember fondly the Transformers from their childhood and with moviegoers whose sensitivities and um, ideas about what good film is have changed. 
Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you know, and it was interesting, uh, you know, since we're on Transformers, my son, at the end of the movie, said, I don't really get it. <laughs> and I and I said, you know, I mean, I'm pretty much the same way. I had no clue what was going on in the third one. Most of the time, I could tell the good guys from the bad guys. Uh, most of the time, I'm always going, who's that and what was that? And he's, oh, that was Megatron, you know, and uh, and filling me in because I haven't a clue. I can't follow it. I, I And I loved the first one. The second one I enjoyed, too, you know, but I mean, and the third one, I'm just went. Now we're going to go back and see it because we didn't we didn't go to see it in 3D the first time. We just mm-hmm. we just went because of the timing, and uh, we're going to go back and see it in 3D. And uh, uh, and also, I'm going to try and follow the story along now that I've been pre-exposed to it and figure <laughs> out if I can, if I can understand it. But having said that, watching Chicago, and, and, and I'm not a huge fan of of just special effects any longer and CGI, and I could care less. Uh, but it was nice seeing Milwaukee, but that that didn't drive me. But and it was wonderful seeing Chicago devastated. Um, but but it it is a spectacle. It's it, it, I sit there and I just go, I you know I don't have a clue how they actually get this thing made. You know, and I've been in the business, you know, like you, like 35 years, and I I just sit there and, and I marvel at at this stuff, and I marvel at Shia LaBeouf. I, I just, I go, my God, you know, he's doing most of this with nothing there, you know, or in front of a green right. screen, or whatever. And I mean, to me, he's outstanding. And so, it's 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 not the primary movie experience that I'm in there watching this story, and I'm and I'm riveted, and I'm caring about the characters. I because I, I don't know what's going on, but the experience of the Transformer movie is just an awesome one. Absolutely, and that's part of of what is so magical about movies. It's the experience that you get when you watch something, and you you have to totally suspend your your disbelief <laughs> and realize that nothing like that could ever happen in real life. But it is happening right up there on the screen in front of you, and you just become immersed in it and part of it, and you accept you know total uh, lapses in reality and physics and come to enjoy what somebody has created. Uh, like, I, I, I saw Super 8 last night, and I thoroughly enjoyed the film, but it's totally preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good point. Um, you know, we were, at, at, we were actually past the break point, so I'm going to take a quick break, and and, uh, and then we'll come right back with Mr. Carlo Petrick of Marcus Cinema Corporation. And, and you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat at rexsikes.com. That is the official website, rexsykes.com. That's my name. I'm your host. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, please go ahead and leave comments after the show. Uh, it'll be there, uh, comment section right underneath the player. If you're listening to this as a podcast, please rate and review the podcast. And Or you could be listening to this from RexSykes.com because all of these interviews are archived right there on uh, the RexSykes Movie Beat set. So it's available for you in three different ways. And, and I always encourage people also to subscribe to the podcast uh, because then you can take it with you wherever you go on your favorite electronic device. Now, um, our upcoming guests, uh, we've got, I'm just going to do it this way. I've got a casting director coming up. I've got an agent coming up. I've got some producers coming up. I've got a stunt team coming up. I've got a bunch of different people coming up soon. So you're going to have to stay tuned to find out who my next guests are and when they are. Although I will give you a clue, most of these shows are Wednesdays now uh, each week. We record the show live, so if you aren't able to listen live, you can always listen 24-7 from the website, from Blog Talk Radio, or from the podcast. All right, well, back with Mr. Carlo Petrick of Marcus Corporation uh, discussing uh, exhibition, 
distribution and marketing and PR of, of movies. Now, let me ask you this. There's, there was um, um, – I've had um, uh, a very fascinating guest, Barry Sangrew, who is a, a pioneer in the field of 3D, and they did all the Shrek movies, you know, after the fact and things like that. He has Legend 3D, which is his proprietary technology that uh, he owes patents on and stuff. Now, 3D was huge. And now people seem to get tired of it. Now, and I heard all sorts of things about Pirates of the Caribbean, the Caribbean excuse me, Pirates of the Caribbean, this last time. Um, but I went and saw it, and I was not, uh, oddly, I was not disappointed. I, there was one or two be, earlier ones that were, I don't know which, I don't even know what number we're on with Pirates of the Caribbean. But, but uh, I went to see one that I was like, ah. Uh, you know, I don't care. But the last one, I actually enjoyed. It, am I stupid or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not at all stupid. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Carla. Well, uh, 3D is is very interesting in the, the fact that it, it started a few years ago, uh, digital 3D, uh, Avatar was kind of the, the, the high point of it, followed by Alice in Wonderland, which uh, was a magnificent movie in 3D, and then kind of um, started to get a, a bad rep with Clash of the Titans, which was not originally uh. filmed in 3D, but converted digitally to 3D, and people started to kind of say, well, it's not real 3D, and... I think the number of films just being released in 3D increased to the point where there was not anything that uh, was special about 3D per se, because when you uh, have so many films being released, there's there's not the must-see the new 3D movie this week. It's oh, uh, I, I don't want to see you know, cats and dogs in 3D. It doesn't make any sense to me to see it <laughs> either in 2D or 3D. Uh, so, again, it comes back down to the quality of the films. Uh, the, the 3D Transformers is amazing. It, uh, it It's integral to the story. And that was what was so good about Avatar, is James Cameron made 3D part of the story and used it creatively to tell the story. It wasn't just there because it could be. It was there because it made sense and it improved the telling of the story. And that's what filmmakers need to do with 3D. Um, I can't wait to see Harry Potter in 3D to, to see if if that film really lives up to the potential of 3D as Avatar did. Uh, that's really interesting in, 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 how you, in how you pointed that out. Now, I went and saw Cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my son, I thought it was stunning. I mean, I you know I was like, and then I heard that people didn't like the story as much and all this. You know, I enjoyed it, and uh, if I didn't have my son, I probably wouldn't go. You know, I mean, if I didn't have kids, right. I, it would be first on my list. But I enjoyed it, and it was stunning. But it didn't. I mean, you know, like Avatar. When I think of 3D, I think of the old 3D where everybody was throwing things at you. You know, sort of was hurling out. You know into the audience, or if you go to Six Legs or Disney or something and you sit in their 3D theaters, you know, everything is about projecting something into the audience. Right. Now, Cars had virtually none of that. It just had the enhanced depth. And um, go ahead. You're, you're right, and, and I, th- I think Cars you've used uh, 3D creatively. Uh, Pixar did the same thing last year with Up, uh, which was a, a beautiful 3D movie. 
but the tradition of 3D is the coming at you, uh, you know, the, the the guy with the ping or the uh, the, the paddle and paddle ball uh, in House of Wax uh, with the ball coming out over the audience. Uh, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein in 3D, where a guy was impaled and his uh, intestines come hanging out over the audience, dripping blood on people. That's what people think of with 3D, and if if they don't get that in-your-face kind of 3D, they don't think it's effective. Um, James Cameron, again, did a beautiful job of integrating 3D into the story and, and using it in a creative way. And that's the problem with a lot of filmmakers. They, they don't think in three dimensions and can only come up with that kind of gimmicky 3D that's more in-your-face that doesn't do much to further the story. Or with you know, using 3D just because you can use 3D and uh, maybe more people will buy tickets or pay the extra that uh, theaters charge for the 3D movie versus the 2D movie so you can increase your revenue and gross. All right. Um, I'm really enjoying this, Carlos. This is, this is, this is very fascinating. So um, let's talk a little bit about the exhibition industry, this transition to digital projection, mm-hmm. and how long before... 35-millimeter prints may be dead. Well, I think it's coming very quickly now. A lot of uh, circuits are making the, the plunge into digital. It's it's taken uh, probably 10 or 15 years. The uh, quality of digital projection is now equal to, in my opinion, 35-millimeter film. Uh, there are some people that I've talked to who say the resolution of a like a 4K projector is better than 35-millimeter film. Uh, it's a very um, expensive transition and the the reason it's taken so long is because people had to figure out how to pay for it because basically with digital projection the the major benefit is not to the moviegoer not to the theater owner but to the to the distributors because they don't have to deal with film anymore. They don't have to create 35-millimeter prints and ship them and warehouse them and uh, pay for all of the associated uh, uh, costs of 35-millimeter. With digital, you can now shoot digitally and edit digitally and release digitally, creating a pristine print that looks as good the first day it shows at a movie theater and it's, it does the last day it plays. So it's a very interesting um, rollout that's happening now as uh, a great number of theater circuits such as ours are going to be installing digital systems. Even the smaller uh, local theaters have seen the writing on the wall, and if they want to maintain and, and keep going in this business, they have to make the transition to digital. Now this is both to me good news and bad news. I um I I am one of those people who loves the look of film and I'm not mm-hmm. a huge fan of digital. I you know, I accept it because it's there and uh, the technologies are getting better where, you know, I I don't feel like I'm watching, you know, video, I'm watching uh, you know, a, a more film-like film. So this right. is all good. You know, the technology will continue to improve and so that's that that is that's awesome, um, but this this and I'm going to tie this back to to something that you said earlier and to a point that I, I had wanted to make as well. 
Um, when we talked about guaranteeing seats in the theater, so that you know, any young filmmaker, by young I don't mean age-wise, I mean in terms of uh, getting a, you know a first feature out and released, uh, or their fifth feature, I guess for that matter, uh, that you know if 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 I can come to you and say, well, I can make sure that there's this many seats and that that many tickets are sold, and you can you know you can translate that into the amount of dollars that make it profitable for your theaters or any theater to 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 then run it. One digital makes it easy because I can hand you a digital a DVD, right? I mean, I don't have to I don't have to buy the prints. I don't have to spend that amount of money. So as a filmmaker, this is good news. Right. But the other piece is that. Uh, and it happened in the self-publishing world, and in the publishing world, I think first and foremost, and that was that um, the gatekeepers who held, you know, people back from publishing, uh, to some extent, um, suffered greatly with the fact that people could now publish on their own. They could publish on demand. They could do any number of things. And I think what what publishers discovered at that point was if they found somebody who had a social network of 100,000 people who were following their blogs or following their Facebook page or following their, their writings or purchasing their books off of Amazon or, or whatever, that that built-in platform that that, that that author had now could be you know parlayed into a career writing for the publisher in the same way uh, that this could happen for filmmakers, that the larger your social network and the larger there is interest in you, the filmmaker, not just your project, because I think, I think project by project that gets to be a hard sell, but if you as a filmmaker uh, can enhance your cash, you know, so to speak, or your cachet, so to speak, uh, and your visibility, and you now have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who are interested in your movies, that that potential, along with the fact that the costs are down, it seems as if it would make it easier for them to get movies into the theaters, is is or to get a better distribution deal, you know. But but uh, w would I be correct in making uh, those assumptions? Well, to a certain extent, uh, that that is accurate. Um, I, I've seen a lot of uh, films recently, um, such as Atlas Shrugged, which have used that method. Um, mm -hmm. They've they've created a lot of interest and use social media and other online uh on online media to to kind of push their film and people uh, some some companies even said call your your local theaters and and ask them to show this film and you know there's a lot of then demand being built up for people who want to see Atlas Shrugged in their hometown and then based on that, the, the film company might come to us and say, look, we've got 10,000 people who said they'll come to the movie if you play it in this market. And that makes it a little easier for us to say, okay, we'll book that film because we know that there's an interest in it. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, Christian or faith-based films have used that same technique where they have uh, uh, gone into markets and gotten a lot of churches to commit to buying groups of tickets and then they come to the theater owner and say this is a pre-sold audience you've got uh, you know thousands of people who have already agreed that they're going to buy tickets will you please show this film so that's that's one way unfortunately uh what what you described with independent filmmakers is is not quite as accurate because the uh the transition to digital makes it much easier for them to have uh, access to theaters, but the control is, is still there, 
in the sense that the major studios still have the distribution methods and all of the PR and marketing and advertising that go along with it. And while it might be easier to play your film now digitally, if you don't have that marketing and advertising to support it, uh, it's it's much more difficult to get a theatrical run for it. So Facebook and all these things don't really matter, or they do matter, or I mean, in other words, is there a way around? I, I first uh, let me say I would imagine that one, the film has to deliver, deliver too. You got to have the goods, right? You can't, Absolutely. You can't promote you can't promote crap and and sell it for very long. <laughs> Well, you, you know. certainly can, but uh, <laughs> you'll get well, found yeah, out we, quickly, as we, as we see. But, but I think with movies, yeah, I mean, it, it, especially with film, it, the 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 sale life of it goes pretty fast if it's right. not if it's not if it's not something people like. Um, so, so yes, I mean, there's still there still is the, the you know the gatekeepers on distribution and things like that. But, but in in terms of how we were talking about getting the independent filmmaker. To uh, have access to screens, right? Uh, uh, it, it, it is much easier because the independent filmmaker does no longer have to uh, worry about having a 35 millimeter print, uh, which costs several thousand dollars, uh, to, to have a film shown in a theater. They can now deliver it on a, on a hard drive with a digital cinema package that is loaded onto a server and then shown in a theater. So that makes it much easier. Uh, but again, the, the film has to be something that people want to see in the theater that um, that we can get the word out about that has a built-in audience or pre-sold audience, something like that. Uh, because like, like you pointed out, we are in business. Our, our business is to show movies to as many people as we can and uh, make revenue doing that. Um, much as I, I love movies, if, if we can't get some revenue through showing them, it, it makes it difficult to make the decision to show them. So let me re-ask. I mean, again, mm-hmm. in the sense, of what, what role does social media play in theater marketing, and and how important is Facebook? And we've got about ten. Literally, we've got about eight minutes left. Well, Facebook and other social media have really changed the face of marketing for films. Um, it used to be that theaters ran ads every day in the local newspaper showing the titles that were playing and the showtimes for that. Um, our company and other companies have greatly cut back on what we call directory advertising of movies and showtimes and now rely almost entirely on the Internet, people coming to a website to getting to get their show times, uh, we have a very aggressive and very active social media program where we engage our customers and build brand loyalty uh, by interacting with them and, and making them feel part of something special if they come to our pages and come to our theaters. So that that kind of almost one-to-one marketing now is very, very important. It also um, provides an opportunity for excellent customer service. If somebody has a comment and posts it on our Facebook page, we can respond uh, almost immediately and say, you know, this is what's happening, or, you know, go offline uh, by emailing us here and we'll contact you directly about your, your issues. 
So it, it really has made a huge impact. Uh, local newspaper is just about dead as far as movie advertising. Um, studios have virtually eliminated advertising in smaller markets. Uh, you, you will still see the full-page ads in L.A. and New York, but other than that, they've, they've really cut back on their print advertising and now rely almost entirely on a mix of online and TV advertising. You know, I'm going to venture an opinion here, and you can let me know what you think. It would appear that you know, movie production and and its export is uh, our leading you know export in the United States. I mean, you know, we export globally, and and we billions and millions and billions of dollars in business. And as the as the face of movie making changes by uh, necessity or otherwise, you know, with the invention of the internet and different. It seems that all sorts of things are being affected. I mean, newspapers are hurting anyway. Right. But then to have movie companies go, you know what, we're not going to do what we've done for so long, that takes more revenue out of their pocket. You know, it it, it would appear that if, you know, we bail out um, auto manufacturers and say, you know, this is this is something we have to do. We've, we bailed out, you know, uh, corrupt financial institutions, you know, in in recent years. Mm-hmm. It would it would seem that we should we should actually give more support uh, statewide and nationwide to our film industry. Oh, I would agree absolutely, and I'm I'm very much in favor of whatever we can do to provide uh, incentives for filmmakers to to come to Wisconsin uh, or or other states where the impact on the local economy is very great. Uh, If if we can get people to come to Wisconsin to make films, it uh, helps us in the theater industry because it provides more product for us to show, but also it has that local connection that we can really leverage. You know, like I mentioned, the, the, the Water Walk film, uh, when when that's going to be released in fall or, or winter, will have a built-in, at least, marketing edge because we can say it was filmed here in location in Wisconsin, and if you want to see you know your your local city, here's the opportunity to do it. Uh, so I, I think providing the incentive for filmmakers is one thing that helps to create more movie product, but also it helps the economy by providing jobs and the whole infrastructure that's necessary to to continue to build upon so that um, when, when somebody wants to come back to a state, that that infrastructure is there, that the, uh, the, the trades are there, that the uh, uh, support from the local communities are there, and it's not something that has to be reinvented every time somebody finds a great location and wants to film there. Well, I, I think uh, yes, absolutely. That it, and uh, I just want to say that while you speak of Wisconsin, for those listening elsewhere in in this country and maybe even overseas, um, the, the same points you know make sense and apply everywhere. Uh, that there could be you know great local interest in films and 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 you know do what you can in order to enhance your. Uh, filmmaking in your area. Carlo, we have about three minutes left, and I, I do want to say that I, I, I've really thoroughly enjoyed this. I want to have you back because you also do, a, you do, and, and I mentioned in the intro, you know, you produce these live uh, shows, you know, you go and you film, and I want to, I want to have you back to talk about that because uh, I think it's, it's also very fascinating and very, um, 
important because there are people out there who who do similar things. They they go to mm-hmm. an event, and they record it, they produce it, they you know they maybe they're in charge of the marketing of it. Um, but I would like to have you back at some point to discuss that. Yeah, I'd love to talk well. to you about those things. Yeah, I mean I think that would be fantastic as well as there's still other areas that I'm sure that we you know could continue to explore. And I always ask guests if they have questions to go ahead and email me in advance you know, through the website and ask questions to my guests, or they can do so in the chat room. Sometimes people just get engrossed and they listen and they don't they don't ask questions, and then after the show somebody will say, oh, well, you know, I wanted to know this. Um, well, I, so would, I would like to uh, do a shout-out to the uh, Gaffer Girls if they're listening. They, they listened to the yeah. last program and uh, have uh, emailed me some questions, so hope all is well. Well, fantastic, and I and I want to mention uh, little Hermie has been in the chat room and Annie and uh, David Spees. Uh, there's, there's others, you know. I mentioned movie Angel and Chase Wright and some of the other people, and then then there's a huge number, you know, of people who who appear in the chat room just under guest, and so we don't know who those are. But I thank you for listening and for tweeting live and for supporting the show both before, during, and after through tweets and through. Um, oh, so we have literally. Let's see here, because I know I know you are under the gun too, and you need to leave. We have. Uh, literally about uh, a minute and a half left. Is there anything that that you want, or you could have two minutes, but is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to give uh, just a brief mention to uh, in the time remaining? Well, I think that uh, we've had a great conversation. I appreciate uh, having the opportunity to talk to you, Rex, and uh, I just want to encourage people to continue to go to the movie theaters to have that experience. It is a great experience to get out and uh, to enjoy a movie as it's meant to be seen on a big screen. And uh, while your son might appreciate the single screen experience, there are a lot of people who experience the uh, movies at multiplexes, and we are doing everything that we can as a company to improve that experience and and make it as engaging as possible. So thank you for the opportunity to uh, give movie going a plug. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 now I I have to make a correction. My son was was perplexed as to why there weren't more screens. <laughs> he, <laughs> okay. He was like, "Oh, this this is kind of weird. There's only one screen here." He I, he didn't like it that much that there was only one movie theater. So he is a big fan of multiplexes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but I heartily agree. Uh, you know, I have a renewed interest in, in seeing the movies and being in the theater. I did see Super Eight in the theater and, and Pirates of the Caribbean. I haven't seen Bridesmaid, which apparently that has the background. I mean, a lot of uh, their storyline either takes place in Milwaukee or it's just the background to the movie. Is that correct? Yes, uh, that that is one film that I wanted to mention when we talked about originality and, and great ideas. This is a great great film. It has a lot of heart. It's a a good idea, and parts of it, well, it's set in Milwaukee and in the Chicago area, and unfortunately, the filmmakers decided not to film on location, but use some stock footage and some some stuff like that. It would... uh, would have been great if they came to Milwaukee to shoot, but the opening sequence is amazing as a uh, camera flies over the city of Milwaukee, downtown area, and you see the uh, the lakefront and all of the buildings and the, the beautiful Calatrava Art Museum here. Uh, highly recommend this film if you haven't seen it. All right. Well, and I haven't, but I am going to, and my sister had called it to my attention, called me up one day and said, you've got to go see Bridesmaid. And I'm like, okay, we'll do. She said, no, it's a fun movie. It's not age-appropriate for your children, but go. And 
you'll see Milwaukee in it as well. So that was pretty cool. Carlo, you have been fascinating as always. I appreciate this so much uh, for you being here and for discussing uh, what filmmakers might do to help get on the screen the changing face of, of the cinema today and, and what we can expect in the future. We will have you back. I know you've got to get to a meeting, so I'm going to say goodbye. I just want to again say thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on your show, Rex. Well, thank you, Carlo. All right, I will talk to you soon, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll schedule a new show. And uh, but you have you have a fabulous day, and uh, and all the best. Thank you. Thank you as well. And that is Mr. Carlo Petrick of Marcus Cinema. Again, a uh, fascinating guest. I want to thank everybody for listening in. And uh, I encourage you right now, please, before you leave the chat room, uh, if you're listening to the, to, the, to the show live or even archived, go ahead and uh, leave a comment right there on Blog Talk Radio or go and tweet something about the show or about my guest or about our comments, some fascinating point, or put it on your Facebook wall or on a friend's Facebook wall or use social media in some way to continue to help uh, us spread the word so that other people can listen as well. Or when you go and subscribe to the podcast, please rate and review those shows. But I thank you so much for being here, and I really do thank you for listening to, uh, I mean, for tweeting uh, on, you know, before the show, prior to the show, people tweet about it so that people can listen in. They During the show, they tweet and they make comments, and I appreciate that. And after the show, people say, oh, you know, I listen to this. I, I really do appreciate that. That is so cool of you. I, I thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for all of the love and the support and, uh, and uh, the goodness that you guys help and provide us with here at Rex Sykes Movie Beat. So without any further ado, let me say that uh, uh, go to the movies. And uh, if you're in Wisconsin, go to the Marcus Cinema and, and check out uh, all of the offerings there. And uh, I want to thank you, the leaders, listeners and uh, uh, readers of Movie Beat. We've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned and please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends. Next up will be a casting director. I will just tell you that. You can become uh, a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat by clicking like on the Facebook page. And you can follow me at Twitter if you're not already by uh, following at Rex Sykes Movie BT. That's Rex Sykes Movie BT. That last word is abbreviated. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>